Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't. But I'm handling it, and one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. Well, I am so happy to introduce you all to our guests today, sisters Rebecca and Megan Lovell of the incredible Grammy-nominated band Larkin Poe. Rebecca and Megan have been performing together for years, and as Larkin Poe, they've been able to craft and create their own genre of rock and roll, which also incorporates hints of blues and country. They've released six studio albums, and most recently a new covers album, Kindred Spirits. And on top of all of that, they've also worked and toured with artists like Keith Urban, Bob Seger, Elvis Costello, and more. What I love most about Larkin Poe, though, is how Rebecca and Megan have worked towards creative independence with their music. In 2016, the duo created their own record label, Tricky Woo Records, which allows them to self-produce and release their music on their own terms. In today's episode, we'll be talking all about their decision to self-produce as Larkin Poe, and how despite the pandemic, they released two new albums last year in 2020. I cannot wait for you to hear from Rebecca and Megan, so... You know what to do. Turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. Well, Rebecca and Megan Lovell, thank you both so much for coming on. You've had such an amazing career and you have such an amazing career ahead of you. I'm just so happy to have you both on. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Of course. So for those who don't know, you're sisters and you are members of the band Larkin Poe. So you have a huge upbringing with music, I would assume, like growing up together. How did you get involved with music? How did you get involved with instrumentation, singing? Yeah. So this is Rebecca, the younger sister. We started classical violin and piano lessons from a very young age. I was about three and Megan was four. So that was our initial introduction into music. And we're so fortunate to have grown up in a family of big music lovers. Our mother and our father were always spinning records in the house. And then with our classical upbringing, it was a large part of our language um, developmentally from a young age. But it wasn't until our early teens that I think music really clicked with us as individuals Um, Our folks took us to a bluegrass festival with some family friends, Merlefest in North Carolina, an iconic Americana roots music festival. And it was in that moment, seeing all the bluegrass musicians jam on stage that I think music really took a different different note in our minds and we connected with it very differently. And from that point on, it's been a no holds barred, all full steam ahead, here we go. So yeah, how did the, I guess the genre, because um, a little bit of background with that, you initially uh, transitioned into bluegrass and now you're sort of in this electric rock uh, genre that you've created and it's really beautiful. So how did I guess the transitions between those two come about with both of you? Yeah, um, even though we were playing bluegrass music you know, from age, you know, 14, um, we were always loving classic rock. Like our dad was spinning just the best records like Fleetwood Mac and P. 
Pink Floyd and Black Sabbath. Like we were getting some really good classic rock music, musical injections as well. And so when we started Lark and Poe, we knew we wanted to kind of also bring in that side of ourselves as well. So over the years, we've kind of brought in our sort of bluegrass roots, but also we've sort of fallen in love with blues music and kind of brought in some of our Southern heritage with like the Allman Brothers influences. Well, that's funny. And I was talking to you before we started recording. I actually got turned on to your music by my dad, who is from the South. He uh, grew up in South Carolina and he came across your music and was like, I think you should check it out because I, um, a little bit about my taste. I really love uh, alternative rock, but I also love blues and jazz. Um, I really like everything. Um, but I definitely fall more towards the alternative side in terms of my uh, favorite genres. But yeah, and it's it's really interesting. And you grew up in Georgia. And then when did you make the move to, because you're in Nashville right now, as you said, uh, when did you make the move to Nashville? About four and a half, five years ago. But we were actually born in Tennessee. Both Megan and I were born in Knoxville, Tennessee, but our folks raised us in Georgia. And, and I love hearing about your musical tastes as well. I do think that music listeners nowadays, that's one of the greatest beauties is that so many of us love a wide variety of genres. And, and the same goes for Megan and I. And being all, very authentic with our art and transparent means that I think all the, the genres that we love, like you say, jazz and blues and Americana music and classic rock, it all kind of finds a way to weave its into the sound. And, Mm-hmm. That's that's part of our passion is being able to represent music listeners like yourself too that that love everything. It's not like we're we're limited by by the genre moniker anymore. Right, exactly. And then you've had quite the career just touring with artists and then you've done your own tours. Uh you've opened up for people like Bob Seger and uh Keith Urban. As artists, what is that like when you know, you're respected so much by another artist that they ask you to come on tour with them and that you have this relationship performing and touring together. Um, I guess, what is that like from the creator side of things? Wow. Um, I feel like it's, it's a, it's a multi-pronged feeling. It's, it's a lot of pressure because you really want to show up and do well for these artists who are placing faith in you and also just extreme excitement. I mean, getting to tour with Bob Seger, for instance, it was our first time touring in arenas across the US. And so just on that level alone, it was exhilarating to be able to take part in that tour. Definite career highlight moments for sure. Yeah, it's, I, I can only imagine. And I, as someone who loves and misses concerts right now during this whole pandemic, uh, I'm hoping we get moving and grooving soon with that. Um, what are you guys working on right now during the pandemic? Because, you know, I feel like the music industry, like so many industries has been, uh, greatly impacted by what's going on now with COVID-19 and, you know, crowds are, are what make up concerts and the fact that we can't have crowds and, and these large gatherings, how have you guys been, I guess, shifting to the bright side of the situation because you are still making content. You released two albums last year. Um, I guess, how have you sort of taken (laughs) the pandemic situation we're in and, you know, put your own spin on it? Yeah. 
got to kind of just roll with the punches. I mean, when, when all of this kind of unfurled, we were looking down the barrel of our 2020 touring, which was going to be substantial. Like we were going to tour in support of our album, Self-Made Man. So we had a bunch of really, really cool tours lined up, but those all went away. And, you know, it took a moment to um, reflect and, and sort of figure out what we were going to do instead. Um, but we look on it like very positively because it's just, give, we're, we've been given the gift of time. So we could look at um, our ourselves and, and our fans and, and go back into the studio. And that's when we recorded Kindred Spirits, um, which was a really fun process. So we've enjoyed so much getting to connect with people through this time and um, using the internet to our advantage and being able to release content out on the internet and still connect with fans has been great for us. Yeah, I think so many of us, we want to qualify our experiences as strictly positive or negative, but life is just a series of, of compromises. And so I think being able, like you say, Megan, to have had time at home, that has been an unexpected gift. It's also required a lot of uh, rejiggering of the mind because we are very fast paced individuals. So, you know, we're used to being in eight different places in a week. And so to actually stay home and get used to doing the dishes and living in one place, it's, um, it's been somewhat of like a grieving slash adjustment period. And I still feel like I'm not even totally entirely used to it still. Um, I still have stress dreams about shows and, you know, <laughs> do we have our pedal boards? Have we written the set list? And it's, it's pretty funny given that we haven't played a show for the first time in the last 15 years and in, in an almost a year. And that's insane. But even so looking forward, as you said, to getting back and get moving and grooving with shows for sure. We just, we just feel so insanely thankful for the people that support us because we mm -hmm. do have an amazing, amazing group of music lovers that have really shown up for us and, and supported us through this time. So we just feel so grateful. Awesome. Yeah. It's like you said, uh, like you both said right now, it's sort of that time to, I guess, step aside from our fast paced lives and focus on, I guess what we can create is just individuals, not just as you know, musicians and artists, that's amazing, but just as people in general, like what can we create? What can we change, um, improve on? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I, each episode, it's so interesting to hear, um, you know, with handling it, we've had on so many different working professionals. And I think it's so amazing to hear what people are doing despite all the hindrances of this pandemic, I think it's absolutely so inspiring to hear how much people are creating and thinking and, you know, producing new work. So um, with that said, like I, like I had mentioned before, you guys had two albums come out last year. Um, Kindred Spirits is a recent release and it's a bunch of covers, which I love. I absolutely <laughs> love it. And it's fun. It's got really a little bit of everything. Um, I love Nights in White Satin. I There's so many great ones on it. You do Crocodile Rock. Um, what made you want to go down the path of, you know, working on covers? We started our cover series online for a YouTube channel slash Facebook channel probably three and a half, four, maybe even five years ago. I can't remember mm -hmm. when we first posted our very first inaugural cover video, but it's become somewhat of a, of a station in you know, Lark and Poe land that I think our fans have attached a lot of significance to. And it's been a great way for 
historically, you know, for time off the road to stay sharp, we would learn covers and post videos just to kind of stay fresh and get together and make music and have fun because we are big song lovers. And, you know, nostalgically, there's a lot of songs from our childhood that we feel really shaped us as artists and wanting to to work that into our own vocabulary, our own musical vocabulary, and also pay homage to those artists. Um, it just kind of became a really cool thing that that meant a lot to, to us and to our fans. And so with this unexpected time at home, we figured what better way to fill the hours than to make a covers record and to share this moment with these people who have, um, you know, at this point pushed a lot of the videos into viral territory on Facebook and YouTube. and. I'm very proud of the record. I think it's it was it took some courage to do because we we do so strongly identify as as an original band. And I think that we were a little bit nervous about releasing an album of covers in terms of how it might be perceived, but it's been such a wonderful process. Everyone's received it so beautifully and yeah, it was it was a really nice way to to end out 2020 for sure. Great. Yeah, I I said it. The funny thing is with covers, not everyone, not every band, not every individual artist does covers. And I think they're really fun and it's something different. And like we said, the pandemic, it's all about doing things different. What can we change? Let's do something new. Um, and that's what I always love about Christmas is because with Christmas, you get all different kinds of covers by all different artists. And it's always so fun to see, like, you know, people put their own twist on stuff. But I love that, you know, you dipped into all different kinds of genres and um, you did a lot of different rock covers, which was great. And then I guess just in terms of you two working together as sisters, because we touched on this before, uh, your dynamic, with recording, how how do you guys work? Um, you know, you play different instruments, um, you both sing. How is the dynamic when it comes to creating and you know generating these new ideas? Well, one, we have a lot of fun with each other. We, you know, we're very close in age and we've always been a package deal. Um, and that has continued far into our adulthood now. Um, so we, we get along really well and uh, have sort of found a way to be super respectful of each other in our relationship. And we work really well as a team together, especially musically, like at this point, having toured together for what, 15 years at this mm -hmm. point and um, made so many records together. And we, you know, started our own record label together. And now we produce all the albums together. So we've really developed a very nonverbal way of communicating, especially about music. So we have we have a really good time, especially with like recording in the studio this year. It's been great. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to explain because it is very nonverbal. We have uh -huh. this um, things just kind of click. If we sit down together and we each have our instruments, Megan plays the lap steel, and I play guitars and you know various other bits and pieces. Not entirely well, but I'll try. <laughs> you know. Um, we'll just be sitting and, uh, and catch a wave together. And that's kind of the best way that I can think to describe it is we'll, uh, we'll just have sort of an intuition as to, to where we want to go together. And, and that's, it's really, really special of, of, uh, everything that we share together, the multifaceted nature of our relationship, as Megan said, with the label and the production and the, you know, the, the content creation and the songwriting, um, of, of all of the dynamics that we share, I do think 
being able to just be best friends and be sisters and have it be a constructive and healthy relationship when I think especially, you know, you check out a lot of the other sibling bands in the industry and it can be a very volatile relationship that we we count that as one of our brightest shining stars. <laughs> you know, we, we love the fact that we that we get along and get to to be good sisters to one another. Right. I know I was, you know, you said it best. I was going to say there's a lot of um, sibling bands. There's a lot of, you know, siblings that work together in a wide variety of industries in entertainment. Um, and it's got to be, you know, you got to have that good foundation and to agree and not agree on things and be able to take criticism and, and work and, you know, generate ideas. It's so important. But yes, so one other thing that um, I believe uh, Megan maybe brought up is that one of you brought up (laughs) uh, your record label. So you started self-producing your own work and you created your own label, Tricky Woo Records. I think this is so incredible to just preface that. I think it's awesome. Um, And we'll get into the importance of it and why you did it. But yeah, I think right now in the music industry, I feel like just over the past year, you have um, a situation where Taylor Swift, for example, I think she shined a light on um, ownership over your work and having control over the the products that you're creating um, in music. With the two of you coming about this decision to self-produce, why was that so important to you? And... I mean, I would assume you're happy with it. Uh, if you would just, um, I guess, explain that process. Yeah, I think initially it was, um, we made the decision to start self-producing based on our history. Because as you, as you mentioned previously, we have toured with many different artists over the years in different capacities. We've opened as Larkin Poe for a lot of artists. And also we have been side guys in bands over the years to pay our bills. We've integrated ourselves into other musical situations and we're really good at being chameleons, musical chameleons um, to kind of weave ourselves into whatever is happening around us and be team players creatively and musically. And that's, that's a really great skill, but also it can cut a different direction in that if you go in the studio with a really hard-headed producer or or really even with different songwriters or people who are trying to influence the the creative direction we're really good at following creative direction and so what we were finding is that especially with you know the second third records that we were making as Larkin Poe we didn't feel that it was accurately representing our internal compass our internal creative compass And so we wanted to remove the distraction to just clear up the pathway for ourselves to take full control, to take the reins and drive, you know, the carriage of creativity wherever we really felt that it needed to go between the two of us. And that was a fairly scary decision. I feel fortunate that Megan, you were very dead set on us giving it a whirl. Um, You know, over the years I've become very adept at making demos. And so I would make demos of songs that I would write and I would send them to Megan just using GarageBand or Logic, you know, software that anybody's got on their laptop. And and Megan would say to me, you know, the creative direction you're taking some of these songs in terms of the drum programming and the way that you're treating the vocals and it's all, it's all very unique and cool. Like, why don't we just 
simplify things and, and try producing a record ourselves. And it's made all the different sense. And as you mentioned with Taylor Swift shining a light, I think that another artist who I feel great respect for would be Billie Eilish and her brother, Phineas. The mm-hmm. fact that they are a complete production team and it's it's not like you know a traditional pop record where you look at the credits and it literally is a village of people that are involved in the writing and the production of the music. It's just the two of them. And I think that there's great strength in that. There is, there's great authenticity and you can really believe it. So. I suppose that's, you know, part and parcel of why we've been chasing after it as well. Right. Amazing. So I guess, like you said, you really found more of a passion and reason to, you know, why you wanted to create the music you wanted to create when you switched over to self-producing and taking sort of ownership of the work you were doing. Yeah, it just, I feel like the fences came down before we we felt fairly uh, constricted and you know, not entirely free to, to just chase whatever ideas that we, we might have, however crazy they might be. And I, and I think now we're a bit addicted to it. Yeah. We're drunk with power. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. I feel like, uh, that's probably really easy to fall into that pit when there's a lot of people in a room and ideas are just being tossed around like crazy. And, you know, you sort of mute your own I feel Mm. like at times Mm -hmm. with anything, you know, and this, I feel like surpasses just music. Um, Just, I think for any individual, sometimes we quiet, you know, ideas we have and things that we're passionate about. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's, I I think that's so amazing, such an amazing move and yeah, self-made man. So you created that on your own label and what was, I guess the reasoning behind it uh, why did you, you know, why'd you make the record? We made Self-Made Man pretty strongly in response to the amount of touring that we were able mm-hmm. to do off the back of Venom and Faith. And Venom and Faith was a very special moment for us because Venom and Faith was nominated for a Grammy and there was a lot of really momentous touring. We felt a lot of energy coming into the equation like we'd never experienced previously because we've been we've been touring very hard for you know 10 years as a band and grinding it out I mean like you know the most unglamorous of unglamorous touring you could imagine and right around the time that we released Venom and Faith we were having tours sell out we were seeing a lot more you know engagement on social media things were just kind of coming together and so it was sort of in this heightened sense of energy that we made self made man that we were writing for the record and it felt it felt very comfortable and exciting to to write a record that really centered around optimism and positivity and i'm very proud of of self made man I, I i do feel like somewhat heartbroken might be too strong of a word but definitely like some twinges of emotion surrounding the fact that we haven't gotten to tour and supported this album because we really did write this record to tour it. We wrote these songs for the stage. And so it's somewhat ironic that, um, you know, we, we were pushing real fast and real hard, working furiously to get the record out just in time for the pandemic to, so I, so I guess to the, shut everything down. <laughs> I guess the next record that we're going to write to be played on stage is going to be about introspection and like (laughs) cabin fever. (laughs) It's true. It's true. But it is, it is a different uh, thematic moment for us as a band. I think it's a really fresh, uh, a fresh 
perspective that we're sharing with with people you know we're we're both now in our 30s I just turned 30 like a couple of weeks ago and Mm -hmm. and it's really nice to be in that space as an artist you know to to move past some of the tumultuous early 20s and mid 20s and feel a lot more comfortable with songwriting in in being very vulnerable with a lyric and you know not not necessarily chasing the whole braggadocious like badass rock and roll vibes because you can be swaggery and you can still be happy and and well balanced and you know take time for meditation and eat well and exercise like it doesn't have to be all hard-nosed you know just blood on the wall rock and roll so I feel like when when people listen to the record they're they're hearing a lot of uh coming to terms in a positive way I might say yeah it's such a good record and like you said it's so upsetting because I mean the songs would be absolutely fabulous to hear live um that's one of the reasons why I love a lot of alternative rock and you know I sort of I, I love pop music, but um, I think there's just something so special about, you know, bluegrass and rock and instrumentation is mm-hmm. my point. I think to hear instruments live as someone who always wanted to play an instrument, but like mm-hmm. never gave myself the time to do it. I love to hear, you know, just instruments being played. So um, I think Megan, what you were saying before with the pandemic and just having time to really sit with thoughts. Um, what are you guys working on now? We are, we are working on the next record. We are, we always have a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes and um, a lot more content creation, but, but we are heading into writing for the, for the record. So I'm going to be super interested to see what comes out of this. For sure. Yeah. And you're both very, um, very dedicated to social media, which is fabulous. Um, I think especially, you know, right now, like we were talking about not being able to tour and see fans and connect with them that way. Um, I think it's really important as entertainers and special as entertainers to sort of really deep dive into social media and connect with people and put out content um, Mm. and just keep active. Um, has that been really rewarding for you guys, you know, not being able to connect with fans and in person, um, being able to, you know, have that presence on social media? I feel like it's, there's a duality um, in the way that we connect with social media. I think many artists and, and especially songwriters, I, I get the sense in the conversations that we have with our peers is there's there's some resentment towards social media because so many of us harken back to the quote unquote good old days of like, you know, the 60s and the 70s when there was all this mystique and mystery around artists. And now that's just not the case. You know, your fans wanna see every moment behind stage. They wanna see the inner workings of, of what it means to be an artist. And, and I think that's true for, for most industry. You know, we really want the curtain pulled back which is beautiful and cool, um, but also it's, it's yet another, you know, engagement that you really have to to wrestle with in, in where you're devoting your time for sure. Um, so over the years, you know, I feel like probably we've drug our heels a little bit with social media, but in this year, I do personally feel a shift in, in sensing the power and the, in the community that, that you can create within, you know, the different platforms and, and with your own fan club, if you so desire. And, and to be able to, to sense 
that everyone's going through the same thing. Uh, many of us were experiencing lockdown and seeking connection and how do we do this? And wow, we're all mourning, you know, the, the loss of life shows and the ability to go to the grocery store. How are we, how are we gonna process all this and finding sounding boards and finding that, that conversation was surprisingly, I mean, it meant a lot. To, it's meant I, a lot to me this year. Yeah. I think we also kind of have a bit of a slice of Eden on the, <laughs> on the internet because we have this amazing group of people mm -hmm. who have not only connected with us, but connected with each other. And that's really cool to see. It's cool to see our fans like making friends with each other and they, they, they get on these chat boards and they're like mm -hmm. talking with each other and, and helping each other through this. And it's, it's really cool to see. And it's mm -hmm. quite a joy. For sure. Yeah. It's, it, I think like you were saying, Rebecca, I think social media, and I've talked about this a lot in the past, it's a blessing and a curse. Mm -hmm. um, it's easy to get really, I guess, you can become very uh, addicted to how you're perceived online and the images that we create in a sense and, and show and reveal to the rest of the world. And I think um, for anyone, it's just becoming more and more of an issue. I feel like the more social media that's out there now, um, we feel this sort of pressure to, to keep up with it. And I can imagine when, um, you know, so much of your job is connecting with, the outside world and, you know, trying to get your messages, your music out there. Um, I could imagine it gets tough at times to feel like, oh, are we, are we doing enough? Are we communicating enough? Mm -hmm. um, but I think within that too, there's a real, a real blessing, especially with this year, this whole year of being just trapped indoors everybody's on their screens blue light glasses like I had never really heard of them in the past but now this year I feel like everybody has them because we're all on our phones we're all on our computers but it is it has been um really amazing to connect with people online and meet people from I feel like too just with the podcast it's been mm -hmm. so incredible to have episodes reach I mean just last month we hit 50 countries and I was like that's crazy like Amazing. just to have you know the messages and the conversations spread and hearing people's thoughts and reactions it's really amazing and I think I mean who knows but I think possibly the pandemic was the reason for that mm. because we are like we have nowhere to go we are online and listening more to others I think now more than ever mm. um and I think there's something really sort of special within that. Same, same. I, I very much connect with that. And I, I, what came to my mind is, you know, what they always say to the superheroes, with great power comes great responsibility. And I think that we are, with every passing day, I think most of us are sensing, wow, there is a lot of power with social media and that and positive and negative power that it can really control you or it can be something that you control for good. And, and I think just approaching it with a healthy dose of, you know, <laughs> arm's length is, is okay, you know, to, to connect with it and let it be a great thing in your life. But then also, you know what, just, it doesn't have to be on your nightstand. Like, let's just leave it in the living room for tonight. That's okay. Just checking ourselves every now and again. Right. Totally. Totally. So I'm curious, um, as artists and creators of your own, um, is there any new music? Like, what are you listening to right now? What has been sort of your pandemic playlist, if you will? 
Oh man, I'm so bad because I love old music. So for me, it's usually like digging deep into, you know, blues artists that I may not be super familiar with. I mean, YouTube is is my guilty pleasure. I will go on deep rabbit holes searching, you know, start with Blind Willie Johnson and that leads you to, you know, 18 other blues artists that are obscure and the recordings are so scratchy. You can almost not hear the music because they recorded at the turn of the century, but I'm, I've really been digging deeper into a historic blues category for sure. Awesome. Yeah. I, I mean, with blues, I don't know if you saw the movie, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, but that recently came out. It's on Netflix and Ma Rainey was someone, you know, I had never really heard much about, never really knew much about, but I'm so glad they made the movie because I immediately started listening to work of hers that's accessible and amazing. I just, it's, that's another thing too. The pandemic really has given, I think so many of us time to consume a lot. (laughs) That's all we do. Um, but yeah, I've, I've gotten to listen to a lot of music and I've, uh, dip my dip my toes into new waters too and started listening to some new genres so yeah yeah nice moogle song what about you girl it's so funny you mentioned the always listening to old music because i was i was talking about that with my husband mike the other day that we really need to start trying to find new music because we tend to like go back to our old favorites um but I, I do love that Spotify you can put on the like radio and you'll catch some new new songs. But I, I love Jack White and all of the um, bands that he's associated with, like Dead Weather. I think that there's some really, really cool like blues flavored rock coming out. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I feel like um, in terms of like more soul, I guess, blues soul, um, alternative, an artist that I recently found out about during the pandemic, Celeste. I don't know if you've, she's amazing. And so much of her work has, I think she just had two songs that were in a couple uh, films that just came out for uh, Golden Globe and Oscar noms. And she has some amazing stuff. And I mean, I, <laughs> I'm i not sure, like I, I've been listening to a lot of um 70s like 60s like the Bee Gees I don't know I cook a lot now so I feel like they're they're fun to cook too that's um what I what I like to cook too and um you know it's it's fun it's been nice to um really I guess my perspective of music has changed you know I used to listen to living in New York I was listening to music on the subway going into Mm. work and I feel like at times maybe I my mind was on other things when I would listen right but now now like I said it's so depressing it's like what what else do I have to worry about other than the state of the world like my problems (laughs) you know are not that big anymore so I feel like I'm just more committed to the songs and the music I'm listening to which is really amazing and that's awesome yeah and you know your music too like even just the covers it's cool with covers too I think to hear you know an artist put a new twist on something it's you sort of hear the lyrics differently or in a different light um totally if any of that makes sense I am not (laughs) I love music but I am in no way a scholar so (laughs) yeah but so I'm also curious too you're both in Nashville 
depending how this pandemic goes, um, we'll see. I might be headed there in April. I've never been before. And I know things are obviously affected by the pandemic. Um, Things are starting to open up. I'm hoping with the vaccine rollout, we'll get a little, little better over the next couple of months. What are some of your favorite spots? What do you recommend? Highly recommend, highly recommend some of, we have a handful of vegan vegetarian restaurants. I'm not sure if you swing that way, Yes. but (laughs) wild cow is a spot you got to hit up over on the East side and across the street is rose pepper an incredible Mexican joint. Um, Berry Hill is a fascinating part of town to visit because it's sort of the inner sanctum of recording studios. I mean, I can't remember what it is per cap, like per square foot, but it's an insane amount of studios and you can wind around and just see some really incredible buildings, especially the House of Blues complex. It's over in Berry Hill. And that's where we spent mm. a lot of time in Nashville making records and oh yeah. Eating at Vui's. And Baja and Baja Burrito, of course. It's an institution. It's an institution. In terms of venues, I mean if you can if you can finagle your way downtown to see the Ryman. That's oh, a yeah. special slice of, of Nashville history for sure. It's that's a must. It's a must. It's it's a beautiful place to visit, and hopefully, hopefully there will be some venues open in April so that you can see some shows. Because pretty much every night of the week, that's one of the things pre pandemic that is our most favorite thing about living in Nashville is the focus on the song and the ability to get out and see incredible live music every night of the week. Amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, uh, like I said, I've never been, I've always wanted to go. Um, and I figured too, like I'll, I'll probably have to go back cause I know it's not going to be in its full like Nashvilleness with, you know, stuff being open and things to do and not having to worry about <laughs> my health and safety 24 sure. seven. So, um, I'll definitely be going back once we're in a post pandemic world, but I think also, um, something during the pandemic I figured you know what we have the time like normally I'd fly somewhere but why not road trip so I'm hoping if things go oh, yes you know things go planned I'm hoping to just road trip it and head down and uh, I'm really excited to see it all so That's so cool I love a good road trip yeah I know I'm hoping to like over the summer I really want to try and head out west like I'm very much an east coast I love to travel but I'm just very much an east coast person and I mean I'm the side of Pennsylvania I'm on. I'm near the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton part of Pennsylvania. So just to get to like Pittsburgh is a five hour drive from me. Wow. So yeah, while I'm like by, I'm very near New York and Philadelphia and DC, I'm so far away from like, you know, anything West of me. Um, So yeah, we'll see, but something to look forward to at least. Absolutely. And while you're here, you should also take a jaunt over to Memphis too, in terms of music history, that would be a fascinating little, little blues and soul trip for sure. Yeah. Definitely. Go, go to Graceland. Got to see Graceland, yeah. <laughs> the hallowed ground of Elvis Presley. Oh yeah. Well, I just saw the um, news too with Dolly Parton, such a, such a She's dumb. such a legend. But, oh, I love yeah. her. <laughs> her whole, um, the statue, uh, situation. I'm just like, she's amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's absolutely she's too cool. So yeah, Nashville, I can't wait. But yeah, Rebecca and Megan, this has been so lovely. And before we go, you know, I always like to ask with this being handling it and, you know, we're always just handling life's ups and downs throughout your careers. Has there been a piece of advice or a lesson that you've learned that's really helped you handle your lives? 
I would say to have tenacity and just stick with it because I think, um, especially if you are taking a little bit of a, a path that is winding, that it can take a while to get where you're wanting to go. So I think if you just, you got to stick with something. Mm-hmm. Stick with it. I agree. And I think hand in hand with that, except that life isn't always pretty. And, you know, when you're in pursuit of a goal, very rarely do things go according to plan. And very rarely do they look good from the outside. Like, I think we're also conditioned to, to buy into the whole, like, Pepsi highlight reel of life where, you know, they don't show that the hours that you spend sweating it out, trying to get yourself in shape or, you know, trying and trying and trying again. But those are really the moments when I think that you're, you're being tested and, and you're showing up if you can keep with the perseverance, keep the perseverance strong. So yeah, just stick with it. Definitely. Always stick with it. You know, you're going to hit bumps along the way. That's just part of the process. So mm-hmm. amen. At all turn out somewhat fine, <laughs> somewhat fine, <laughs> somewhat fine. Um, but yeah. So, and then where can people follow along and, um, you know, like we mentioned you're on socials. So where can people uh, keep up with you guys at Larkin Poe everywhere? Yeah. Pretty much L A R K I N P O E will unlock the kingdom. That is this weird little roots rock left of center world that we've created. And don't worry. The water is, the water is nice and and the people don't bite. That's for sure. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. You both are so, so incredible. I think just as creators, you've really, um, you know, infused genres and created a genre of your own almost. That's just really inspiring. And I, I, like I said, this past year, I think has been so amazing to watch people create and 2020, I said it was really tough and a really crappy year, but I think a lot of good things did come out of it and it's just going to be exciting how that, you know, transitions over. It's already, you know, I've seen it already with people in 2021. So it's, yeah, it'll be amazing to watch for sure. So thank you both. Thank you. This has been such a treat. Well, I hope you all loved hearing from Rebecca and Megan as much as I did. The work they're doing as artists and creators is so inspiring, and their album Self-Made Man is such a reflection of that. So if you'd like to listen to Larkin Poe's recent album, Self-Made Man and Kindred Spirits, links are listed in the episode description for you to check them out. Thank you to Rebecca and Megan so much for coming on, and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling It Podcast and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. I'll see you next week with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.